Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Wednesday broadcast of Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So thankful that you are joining us today. And right at the beginning of the broadcast, I want to give you an opportunity to take advantage of an offer that we are offering in the month of December. And I won't be mentioning this at every broadcast, but I'll mention it from time to time throughout this month of December. And, uh, you know, as you begin a new year, uh, we always have these New Year's resolutions that we're going to do something different in the new year. And usually we fall by the wayside by mid-January. But I want to challenge you to take on and make time every day to spend just a few minutes in God's Word, a few minutes in prayer. And if you want to take a challenge, I have an opportunity for you to have a 365-day devotional. And the theme at Hickory Ridge Community Church in this upcoming year is the word believe. Everything that we do in the new year is going to be based that we're going to believe that God is going to do something that is beyond us. As a matter of fact, We're trusting God for something in the new year uh, that is so audacious, that is so beyond our capability, uh, that it is doomed for failure unless God intervenes. You know, that's how you ought to live your life. You ought to have some audacious goals in your life that are beyond your ability. You know, that's where the Christian faith comes in. God does something for us that we cannot do for ourselves. That's what salvation is. You can't save yourself. You can't be good enough to be a recipient of God's favor. That's something that God does that's beyond you. The same is true in what we do as we fulfill the purpose in our lives. So let's make it a goal this year to get into the Word of God every single day. And if you will take this challenge, I will send you a free devotional book called Believe by Randy and Razan Frazee. And it'll be a gift that I give to you free. All you got to do is call me. And uh, my number is 252-267-2365. Leave me a voicemail with your name and your address, or shoot me a text with your name and address and say, hey, I want the free devotional that you talked about on the broadcast, and I'll get that into the mail to you, okay? Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We are beginning our series of messages about Christmas. Yes, Christmas. You know, a small boy was writing a letter to God about the Christmas presents that he badly wanted. I've been good for six months now, he wrote. But after a moment of reflection, he crossed out the six months, and he wrote three. After a pause, that was crossed out, and he put two weeks. There was another pause, and that was crossed out too. He got it from the table and went over to the little crib scene where baby Jesus was and Mary and Joseph was, and he picked up that little figurine of Mary, and he went back to his writing, and he started again. Dear God, if you ever want to see your mother again. (laughs) I thought that was cute. Uh, Well, anyway, we're going to be looking at Christmas through the eyes of Mary. Let's read the text today from Luke chapter 1, a very familiar passage of Scripture. It is a passage of Scripture that I know will bring encouragement to you today. Luke 1, beginning at verse 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. 
the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and now is in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. I love that phrase, the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything that you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Now, that's usually where we stop, and then we talk about all that Mary had experienced at that time. But more things happen in that chapter later on, and we discover that as a result of hearing this news, Mary sings a song. It's a powerful song. I won't read the whole song to you, but I read one part of that song, and and Mary says, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of my humble state the humble state of a servant. Now, that's just the beginning of the song that Mary offers up as she hears this good news that she is going to be the mother of the Most High. Well, let's look at this story. What can we learn from the story of Mary? Well, I think, first of all, I think we must look at this perspective and and realize that sometimes our perspective may not be proper. So many times we look at things from our particular angle, only from our own perspective, and sometimes that can be skewed. When we look at 1 Samuel, for example, we discover that God is going to appoint a new king, and he's not going to appoint a king from a standard mindset or or a standard perspective. It says that the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You ever find yourself in a situation where you have found that you're arguing the opposite side of an issue with equal confidence and passion? Well, how can we do this? It's because our perspective is skewed. Now, if you're discouraged, discouraged people will always overstate their problems. If you're disgruntled, disgruntled people will always overstate their problems as well because everybody has a unique perspective That is based upon where we find ourselves at that moment. Because everyone is different, we all have a different way of viewing things. Sometimes when we discuss things with others, they will often say, well, that's your perspective. But what is perspective? It is what the Bible teaches us. Is that the perspective that we should have? Perspective very simply means the way in which things are viewed a way of regarding situations, facts, etc., and judging their relative importance. It's one's outlook. It's the attitude that one has. We often hear such things as, in the long run, or you can't see the forest for the trees, or we trade off the orchard for an apple, or one that Christ used himself. He says, don't strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. These expressions validate the fact that different individuals view things differently or have a different perspective. You see, we witness the blurring effects of discouragement and stress in our lives, 
And depending on where we are, will influence our perspective. For example, in the Old Testament, there was a servant of God that had a great victory in Mount Carmel. But the very next chapter, this man by the name of Elijah is so discouraged that he wishes for his life to be over. He is so discouraged that he can't even stand up to one woman, although he could defeat prophets of Baal. You see, another problem that tends to defeat our vision is not only our discouragement, but disobedience. We must realize that no one who is in violation of God's word and God's commands will see clearly. Balaam makes this very clear. Balaam had this donkey, and Balaam became very disobedient. He didn't want to do what God wanted him to do. So this disobedient prophet could not even see the error of his own way. So God got a donkey. The donkey's vision saved him from destruction. You see, we must be mindful to listen to those who are around us. If family and friends try to warn us of the error of our way and we can't see it, it might be that our vision is blurred because of our disobedience. So discouragement and disobedience can cause us to have a wrong perspective. But so can worldliness. Worldliness can be defined as looking at the world through the philosophy and the teachings of our culture. Worldliness can blur our vision as Christians. In the book of Colossians, we find a man by the name of Demas, who is a faithful companion of Luke. He was also with the Apostle Paul. Later, Paul tells us that Demas had forsaken me, having loved this present world. It is truly amazing that the people of Paul, around Paul, one of the greatest Christians that ever could have lived, how could he lose a Christian friend to worldliness? You see, we must keep in mind a long-term perspective. We must realize that even the best of us, if we're not careful, are prone to, to fall into the trap of worldliness. In the small book of Ruth, we meet a woman who had lost her perspective and she lost it due to bitterness. Naomi and her family, they left the land to go down to the land of Moab. Now, this is a very familiar story in the Bible, and and we know that as she is down there in the land of Moab, good things happened at first, but then she buried her husband and her two sons. When she decides that she's going to return home, she was greeted by those in her hometown who came and said, Is this... Naomi, she did not even want to be called that name. She says, no, don't call me Naomi, but rather call me Mara, which means bitter. You see, the things in life had caused her to be bitter, and she looked at life as being unfair. So we must be guarded that bitterness can also affect our perspective. Moses, the man God chose to lead his people for 40 years, illustrates that although he is at one time called the meekest man on the face of the planet, he had problems with anger. God wanted to use Moses to show his people how he cares and how he provides for them. Unfortunately, Moses' perspective was blurred by his anger. Due to the children of Israel constantly murmuring and constantly complaining. So instead of speaking to the rock, he struck it and therefore lost the opportunity 
to bring God's people into the land. We all know the story of Jonah. Jonah was filled with disobedience. His misdirected boat trip, his being swallowed up by a great fish, and his repentance eventually led to obedience. But we discover that Jonah struggled with prejudice. His vision was blurred because he didn't want to go down to Nineveh because he despised the Ninevites. He was so unhappy that God would extend mercy to a heathen group of people. Oftentimes, we tend to look down on others, forgetting that we were once sinners, perhaps only having a different set of sins, and we judge people unworthy of the gospel due to a prejudiced perspective. This is another thing that can affect our understanding or our perspective, and that is stress. Stress is something that is often found within the medical community, and stress is actually a warning light. It is warning us that something in our lives must be addressed. Stress like pain should be a wake-up call for us. You know, you can't eliminate all stress, but you can manage the stress in your life. When you're overwhelmed with stress, it will affect your perspective. Let's look at the book of Exodus, and we see God's great deliverance of his people from Egypt. They had been led out of Egypt, and as they're going across the wilderness, all of a sudden they come up against the Red Sea. And that's exactly where God wanted them. Yet when they lifted up their eyes and they saw the Egyptians pursuing them, they lost all sight of what God had just done for them. Moses told them, Stand still, and you will see the salvation of the Lord. We too must allow stressful situations to determine the way we view God and our circumstances. Well, there's something else that can really affect our perspective. I think about King Solomon's son, Rehoboam. Rehoboam illustrates to us how a perspective can be blurred based upon peer pressure. He essentially lost the United Kingdom because he listened to those who are filled with pride. He listened to those who are immature. He listened to those influences around him who were not in sync with God's will. He ignored the older and the wiser counsel, and he listened to younger men who had not grown up in the faith. As Christians, we must be sure that those we allow to influence us are walking with the Lord and living according to his commands. Well, many times, We do not keep these precious things of God dear to us like we should because our perspective is off. Now, this is evidence in the life of Eli. As Eli got older, like many of us as we get older, our eyes begin to wax dim. He allowed the lamp of God to go out in the temple. He was failing and having failing eyesight, and it kept them from keeping the command of God. The command of God was that the lamp would always be burning in the temple. You see, if we backslide away from God, we will fail to see the commands of God as a precious thing that require our attention and our devotion. The Apostle Peter exhorts us in his second epistle to add to your faith. Then he proceeds with a list of seven things that should be not only in us, but abounding in us. He warns us that if we lack these things, We are blind, and we cannot see afar off. So here are the warnings that are giving us that will affect our perspective. You see, when we become blurred in our vision, 
when our eyes begin to wax dim when it comes to spiritual things, we will stagnate as a Christian. You see, it is God's desire for us to be growing and to be developing as a Christian on our daily basis. There is no place to stop and rest. We must be growing and desiring more from our relationship with the Lord, or we will grow stagnant and lose our perspective of the things of God. So we've learned so far that Mary had a change of perspective as a result of that encounter with the Lord. Sometimes our perspective may not be right, but when we have an encounter with God, that's why it's so important to get into God's Word every single day. Well, here's the second thing that we learned from Mary. We learned that purity always pays off. In Matthew 5, 8, it says, it has to do with seeing God. Jesus said, blessed are the pure, for they shall see God. I want you to know it may appear that purity was not paying off for Mary, but in the long run, it paid off for her. I mean, here we are 2,000 years later, still talking about Mary, that woman that was blessed among men, that woman who was the mother of the baby Jesus. You know, the Bible talks about purity and mentions it over and over and over again. Here is just a couple of verses that remind us to be pure. Paul tells us to run from sexual sin. He says, no other sin is so clearly affecting us as this one does. He says, sexual immorality, which is any kind of sin of sex outside of the biblical definition of marriage. You see, God defines marriage, one man, one woman, one lifetime. Sexual immorality is sex with somebody outside the confines of biblical marriage. He says that we should flee sexual immorality because every other sin we do outside of the body, but this sin we do in the body. And then he reminds us that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives within us. So if we commit adultery or fornication, we are bringing that sin into our temple where the Holy Spirit dwells. Paul warns against living a life of sexual sin, and he says, run from sin. You know, there's two ways that we confront sin in our lives. The Bible says, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. There are some things that must be resisted. When it comes to the sexual sins, I don't think they should be resisted. I think you need to run from sexual sins. And Paul gives us four ways to deal with sexual sin. He says, run from sexual sin. Don't debate it. Don't flirt with it. Run from it. Avoid it at all costs. Paul then instructs young Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And along these lines of purity, he talks about a home uh, that is a home of a wealthy person. And he says a wealthy home has different utensils. Utensils of gold and silver. And then also they have utensils made of wood and clay. The more expensive utensils They are used for very special occasions, where the cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil used for an honorable cause. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use you in every good work. So when it comes to this matter of purity, purity always pays off. Now listen, God can and will use anybody. But I think you've got to ask yourself, do I want to be a vessel of honor or a vessel of dishonor? 
Do I be like that utensil of gold and silver that is used for a very special occasion? Or do I want to be that inexpensive utensil? The choice is ours. Purity always pays off. You say, well, my life has gone down the wrong path. You know, I haven't been living a pure life, but I want to change. I want to go in a new direction. Well, first John reminds us, if we confess our sins, he is faithful, he is just, he will forgive us of our sins, and he will purify us from all unrighteousness. I love how Isaiah put it. Isaiah says, though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them white as wool. C.S. Lewis reminds us that chastity is the most unpopular of the Christian virtues, but it is perhaps the most important of Christian virtues. Oh, I want to encourage you to live a life of purity. Live a life of holiness. When we think about living and giving and thinking, and we think about how in the world are we going to live this way in the day and age that we find ourselves living in? Well, maybe it's helpful to remember that purity or chastity is actually a spiritual discipline. Just one of the many disciplines like prayer and fasting and and, and silence, I think, and meditation, uh, the church has not given a whole lot of credence to this over the most recent years. But as we look at this matter of living a life of purity, chastity is not just a mere absence of sex outside of marriage, but it's an ongoing conforming of one's body to the image of Christ. All aspects of our lives should be conformed to the image of Christ. When we think about living a life that pleases God, why do we dress modestly? Why do we refrain from having premarital sex or or extramarital sex? We do these things not because we're trying to make a statement about how good we are. We do these things because we have a relationship with God. You see, purity makes us familiar with God. Purity allows us to enter into this relationship with God on a whole new level. It is made possible because of what Christ does within us. It is a work of the Holy Spirit as we surrender to that work of the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus set the standard real high. He realized that the standard was so high that we couldn't do it by ourselves. So he gives us the Spirit of God to take up residence within us. Jesus knew that without the Spirit of God, Without the Word of God, we would not be able to overcome sin. Well, there's a third thing that I want to cover as we look at the life of Mary. We discover that Mary had a purpose in her life. She kept herself pure, and that purity was being rewarded. She had this ability to have that right perspective, even though it looked like everything was going against her and everybody was going to misunderstand what was happening to her. We learn thirdly that Mary was a woman who had a purpose. You know, God has a purpose for you as well. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And these works were prepared in advance for us to do. I love that verse, don't you? The verse that precedes it talks about the fact that we're saved by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. And then God talks about a handiwork that he has created in us, a work for us to do. 
something that is prepared in advance for us to do. You see, part of understanding salvation is realizing that it's a gift of God, our salvation, but it's a gift that doesn't come by itself. It's a gift that begins the process of us fulfilling the purpose that God has for us. Paul said to young Titus that we should cleanse ourselves. We should be a people that are are totally committed to doing good deeds. Well, I want to encourage you today to trust the Lord with your life. Have a perspective that is set in that right area. When we think about the power of God in our lives, God has a very specific purpose, a very calling for you. Maybe you're finding yourself right now in a place that you're struggling to find your purpose. Would you seek God's face? Would you allow Him to reveal that purpose to you? Call upon the Lord, and He will answer you. He's not going to abandon you. He's not going to say no to you. He's not going to leave you out there to go through life without His help. He is going to be there every step of the way. So, Lord, we thank you for the fact that you have given us a wonderful example in the life of Mary. She followed your purpose. She understood that people would have a misconstrued understanding of what was happening in her life, but she knew that you were going to use her to be a blessing to those who came behind her. So, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together around your word. We pray that we will find our purpose in our life and that we will follow through in obedience that we won't waver to the left or to the right, that we'll follow you completely. In Jesus' name, amen. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3220 South Battlefield Boulevard, Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, you go to our website at www.hrcc7.org. No matter what you're going through, remember, in Jesus Christ, There is always hope for your heart.